surrounded. And if you have a Bible, you can turn over to 2 Kings chapter 6. This is kind of our New Year, New Us vision series. And I'm going to say a prayer to start us off. Before we pray, I just want us all to take a deep breath in. Hold it. Release, right? Uh, Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. (coughs) Holy Father, God, we pray that you meet us here in this space. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for this new meeting space. That we can be here as a family together in this room. And God, we pray that you meet us here uh, week after week. Lord, we pray that this place can be holy before you, God. A place where your people gather to worship you and to grow closer to one another. And to love you and one another with all of our hearts, minds, souls, and strengths. And God, we pray in this moment for you to open the eyes of our hearts. God, open us up so we can truly see you everywhere. God, and not only see you, but experience you and the victory that you bring everywhere, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name and the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. 2 Kings 8, or sorry, 2 Kings 6, starting in verse 8. It reads, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. Basically preparing for battle. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha, that's the man of God, by the way, Elisha warned the king so he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which one of you is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go, find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dotham. That's actually a different voice. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, (laughs) Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. And they went by night and surrounded the city. Um, Wow, now I need to. uh... Oh, there we go. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? That guy's British. The servant asked, (laughs) Do not be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And Elisha told them, this is not the road. And this is not the city. Follow me, 
and I'll lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And after they had entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. And then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked. And there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elijah, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? (laughs) Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those who you captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's army. This is the word of the Lord. And we reply, thanks be to God. Honestly, I don't know. Uh, Just want to differentiate the uh, different characters, right? So we don't think the same person speaking the whole time. That was my try. My, My try there. My effort. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but as we read this story this morning, you know, I think we are surrounded by things all the time that we don't really see. You know, think about this. Did you ever see one of those Where's Waldo books when you were a kid? We're going to keep that up and all you guys are going to get distracted. But those, those Where's Waldo books when you were a kid, basically there's these books with these vibrantly colored and illustrated pages and you're supposed to find where Waldo is. And Waldo is this white dude uh, with uh, glasses. I, I, think, I think you might be capping. Um, but he has, a, he has a, a red and white sweater on and a red hat. Can you actually find him? Yeah. yeah. I found him. Yeah. No, uh, where is he? All right, I'll take your word for it. Anyways, <laughs> joke's on you. Waldo's not actually in that photo. Actually? No, nah, no, nah, he probably is. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we're really distracted. But the thing is, when we look at a Where's Waldo book or a Where's Waldo photo, your eyes are taking in Waldo. Like your eyes are taking in all of the colors, all the illustrations. But can you actually see Waldo? Would you be able to point him out every time immediately? The answer for everyone except Anna is no, right? <laughs> She's the only one. Um, no, but the thing is, we're, our eyes are taking him in. He's there, but he's not always easy to see. We're not always able to recognize him. And I think the same goes for many different circumstances. I shared a story uh, last Sunday about uh, Brussels sprouts in the fridge, right? When I was going to make dinner and I didn't know where the Brussels sprouts were and, and Malia said they were in there and I'm like, she probably knows, right? But I'm looking and I'm staring in the fridge, looking everywhere. My eyes definitely like technically they take them in, but I don't recognize that they're there, right? I don't see what's actually there. And so I have to ask Malia and she's like, no, they're there. Just keep looking. Guess where they were? Right in front of me, you know, in clear view. Uh, but my eyes just weren't taking it, they weren't recognizing everything that, that was coming in. Um, I don't know, do you guys believe in spirits, ghosts? Show of hands, yes? Uh, probably two-thirds of us. Um, so every night, we take our, our dog Dallas out so she can pee before she goes to sleep for the night at midnight. And so we take her out at midnight, and every once in a while, probably about once a week, she'll go outside and she'll be sniffing around, and then she'll go, whoop! 
And she's just staring at something in the night. And, and it's not like it's too dark to see something. Like, I'm out there, and there's nothing there, right? I can't see anything. I'm like, Dallas, like, come on, chill out. Like, there's nothing there. But she's like, ooh. And then she starts whimpering. Ooh, 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 ooh. And then she'll sprint back. If she's not on the leash, she'll sprint back to the front door and just keep crying until she gets let inside. If she is on the leash, she'll drag you to the front door and keep crying until she gets inside. I think she has a sixth sense. She can see something that I can't see, right? And whether that's a, a, a spirit or um, some evil presence or if that's a skunk or something, I don't know. But she can see something that I can't see. And I have pretty good eyesight. Uh, but this, this, this idea that there's something there that I'm not able to recognize, right? And I think that's what we see in this passage. Think about maybe when you were a child or... Um, when, when someone you know was a child, maybe Kalis still. Um, but children can get really scared when they go to bed and it's dark and their parents close the door and their parents leave the room, right? Uh, children can be scared of the dark. And just because their parents leave the room and the lights turned off, does that mean that their, their mother or father isn't ready to spring into action and protect them immediately if they hear their child cry out? No, their parents there. But that child doesn't see them, doesn't recognize that they're right there and that they're safe, and they can get scared. Some of us still feel that way, Kalis. Um, <laughs> but the idea is that there's something there that we don't necessarily recognize. I think that's the same way with us and God. We can have a dark night. We can have nights. I'm not talking about like, an eight-hour, you know, I guess, 12-hour period or whatever now. I don't know how long night is, but um, I'm not talking about necessarily the darkness, but spiritual or emotional or mental darkness, relational darkness. We can be in a season of, of darkness where we feel as if God is not there and we cannot see him no matter how hard we look. But does that mean that he's not there? I would say no. I think that's objectively true. In the story we read today, we saw Elisha and his servant in grave danger, surrounded on all sides by enemies. And it may look like I'm surrounded on all sides, helpless and about to fail. And if I'm honest, I felt that way quite a bit recently. Often I felt like the Aramean army is out to get me, surrounding me on all sides. Uh, I was talking to some of you guys yesterday, uh, just how I was feeling uh, yesterday. And the word I used to describe, I said one word to describe how I was feeling was drowning. Uh, another word maybe was, was weary. Um, some of us might be feeling weary or like we're drowning. But 2021 was the hardest year of my life. And I really hope for a better 2022. If I'm honest, this year is starting out kind of tough. Overwhelming for sure. And I don't know, but I want to ask you, how is your soul feeling today? How has your soul been the last few weeks? Has it been in a dark night, a dark night of your soul? And for me, I've been feeling like I'm carrying around these great weights around my shoulders. I've been feeling heavy and worried about my friend's health. I can feel like so many of my close friends here will, will move away sometime this year. And I carry this and I carry worry about you guys 
as a church how we're, we're going to survive. I have hopes for my family, and I can fear that God won't provide. And I can feel all alone in these fears and these emotions. And I can ask myself, how can God be here in my space, in my experience with me right now? And I ask you, what do you fear? What do you feel surrounded by? And I know many of you, very personally, and I know some of you must feel fear about your future. Specifically the unknown about your future. Some of you guys are going to be transitioning into different cities, different life stages, into new jobs after you graduate. There's unknown in that. There's got to be some fear in that. And I'm sure some of you guys are coming in heavy this morning. Some of you might be feeling lonely this year relationally. Others may be feeling exhausted, weary, too busy maybe even to spend time with the Lord. And some of you may be feeling like things are falling apart around you. Maybe you're just feeling weary spiritually. Maybe you're feeling burnt out in your struggle to serve God or burnt out with your parenting or or your internships or the many things that you have on your plate. Or maybe you feel like you're facing temptation and it feels like everywhere you turn, on all sides, you're surrounded by temptation. And you want to fight, but it just feels like at every door, the devil is crouching ready to devour you. And you just feel like you can't keep doing this. You can't change. You can't keep fighting it. Do you feel surrounded and unable to be victorious? Now, I think we might be similar to Elisha's servant here. And if so, then we must ask, what shall we do? Elisha's servant, his friend, asks him, what shall we do when we feel surrounded? And the normal human response is for the eyes of our hearts to be closed. We tend to think in terms of fight or flight when we're surrounded. We either shut down and want to avoid the battle in front of us, Or we focus on our own strength and we try to grit our teeth and just make it through the battle on our own. But the Lord isn't asking us to give up or run away. He isn't asking us to shut down or to avoid it. He isn't asking us to grab our swords and charge into battle on our own. I think the Lord is right here, right now, waiting for the eyes of our hearts to open. Elisha gives three assurances to his servant. Three phrases that I want us to focus on. Number one is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And this phrase occurs in the Bible in some variation over a hundred times. It's very significant, but it's most common use in the Bible, specifically in the Hebrew Old Testament, is it's used in the context of God's people about to enter into spiritual or physical battle. You think about uh, specifically in Joshua 1, 8, and 9, you have God speaking to his, his new appointed leader for all of his people. And they're about to go into the promised land, but they're going to have to fight giants. They're going to have to fight large armies and big fortified cities. And what are his words to Joshua? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And that same phrase in similar context is used over and over and over again. And we see it used here. Not only is there a physical battle before Elisha and his friend, there's a spiritual battle as well. And Elisha says, 
Do not be afraid. The second one, and I think only makes sense because of the first one. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And if you're Elisha's friend here, are you thinking that that's true or do you think he's, he's telling a little fib? You're thinking, Elisha, there's two of us, brother. I love you. I know you're a beast. There's like 500 dudes with chariots. What are you talking about? There's more with us than there are with them. Who's with us? And if you're like me, you can feel that frequently. God, you want us to do these great things. You want us to be sacrificial and love one another and take care of one another. You want us to be hospitable. You want us to be relational. How? How, God, when this is my circumstance? I'm surrounded on all sides. How can I give of myself to others right now? I'm barely treading water as it is. And Elisha says to his friend, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And this is, I think, the only reason we ought not to fear. Do not be afraid. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you are vastly outnumbered and you the underdog by like a, a million to one. But if those who are with you are more than those who are with them, it makes sense to have courage. It becomes logical to not be afraid. We see uh, the third thing Elisha says is a prayer. He says, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. That second one is very similar to what King Hezekiah says to his brothers in arms when they're facing a similar battle where they're vastly outnumbered. In 2 Chronicles, he says, there's a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh. That's this, this great army in front of them. With him is only the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord, our God, to help us and to fight our battles. This is the idea that there are many angels and chariots of fire surrounding us and protecting us. We need not be afraid because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. That being the devil and all of his evil forces. And thus, what do we need? We need the eyes of our hearts opened. You know, there's an actual spiritual battle going on around us. I want you to listen to this for a second. The idea that there are truly angels and demons fighting for your soul and fighting for the souls of those around you. Look to your right and to your left. Now just take a moment and now close your eyes. And when you open them, imagine that you could see the spiritual war that's going on around you. That your eyes could truly recognize what's actually there. Let's open our eyes. An example of this is in Genesis 28. We have this guy named Jacob. And Jacob is kind of traveling through this land that he's not super familiar with. And he goes to lay his head down, he starts having this dream and vision, and, and the audience is kind of confused. Is he dreaming? Is, like, is this in his imagination? Is he seeing this, but he doesn't realize, like, this is a, a real experience? What's happening? And Jacob sees this vision of angels ascending and descending from a stairway into heaven. 
You can also say a ladder, but stairway, it's the same. It's actually the same word in Hebrew, uh, which is where that song stairway to heaven comes from, if you're wondering. Um, but he sees these angels ascending and descending. And you guys know what he says? He says, surely the Lord is in this place. Surely the Lord is in this place. He just spends time worshiping God, praying, and then he builds build this little like memorial altar for him to remember that God was here and I saw it. That those who are with me are more than those who are with them. And that, that kind of experience that he had, that we see in Genesis 28, kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in the book of Genesis. It doesn't really make sense for the larger narrative. But I wonder, I think it's for us to remember that there's more than meets the eye everywhere we go. Why? Surely the Lord is in this place. And the fact of the matter is that God does not leave us alone. It's a dark night only because that's what we see and what we feel and what we experience. It's not a dark night in the sense that God is not there, present, and with you. Even in the darkest of nights, he is a cry for help away. But I don't think we cry to him first enough. I think we shut down and we try to fix it ourselves. We need to have our eyes opened. But here's the really fascinating part. The prayers of Elisha here, he prays a couple times. It's not just once. And the prayers of Elisha here are symmetrical. He prays the exact same thing reversed for his friend, his servant, and also the army of his enemies. He prays for his friend who is blind to the allies that he's truly surrounded by. And he prays, God, open his eyes that he may see. And his friend is able to see the allies that surround them the angels of the Lord. And what he prays for the army of the Arameans, who could only see according to their own power, according to the arm of their flesh, he prays for them to be blinded. And then he prays later. By the way, this is a very humorous scene. Can you imagine being in that army of Arameans? And you're like, wow, we've got this on lock, right? Like, how could we possibly lose? Now you come in and you're about to capture this dude. And then you're like, blinded and then a a, a good Samaritan comes up and says, oh you're in the wrong place but I got you I'm gonna take you exactly where you need to be right and then he walks you into Samaria you know what Samaria is it's the Israel fortress it's their capital city right so he walks this entire army into the center of this fortress which by the way that's where the army is so then the whole army of Israel is like surrounding this little company of soldiers and you guys are in the very middle of your enemy's fortress surrounded by now your enemies and then the king's like, hey, so what we do? We're going to kill him? And then Elisha, this dude who just led you to this like, place of despair and destruction, is like, we're making a feast for him. And you're like, all right, <laughs> sounds good to me. Uh, thank you for saving my life and feeding and drinking me. I don't know, feeding and watering me, whatever you want to say. Um, but that's what's happening here. It's like this humorous scene that's otherworldly. Why? Because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Surely the Lord is in this place. Dallas Willard writes, To the degree that you can come to understand that the whole of reality is something penetrated through and through by God, you can begin to open yourself up to the possibility of receiving direct communication from him. 
And when he says this, when he's talking about this, this idea of direct communication from God, he's talking about experiencing God in your precise circumstance, right where you are right now. Although you might be surrounded, although you might feel as if you're in a dark night, although you might feel as if you're weary and drowning, the extent that you can understand and believe and come to recognize that surely God is in this place, that he has you taken care of, that he has surrounded you, that there are more with you than there are with the enemy against you. Then you'll be able to experience God in your circumstances. Then you'll be able to experience the reality of what's already there. And when we've been talking about this idea of walking with God in relationship day by day, this is what we're talking about. A daily intimate relationship where you experience God with you. If we cannot get to a place of believing that God is actually with us, then we won't experience him. Our eyes will stay closed. They will not be opened. But sometimes, even in a space like that, when we don't have the strength in our own arms, we just need done for us what Elisha did for his friend. We need God to speak through and answer the prayers of someone else. And so I ask you this morning, who, by their life and their speaking with you, and also by their prayers, is going to open your eyes? Who in your life is reminding you of God's truth consistently? Who is telling you that God is with you? Who is telling you that you need to open your eyes? We need to be Elisha for one another. But we also need one another to be Elisha for us. I know I do. I need my eyes open to the hope and security of God being with me day after day. Because the thing is, you can, you can have a, you know, spend a great quality time with God one morning where you read your Bible and you have this great time of prayer and you realize that God is in this place. He is with you. But then the day goes on and your eyes start to shut. Your eyes get weary. And then the next day comes around and your eyes are closed. We need Elisha's for each of us. And when I think about this, I think about Mark Jackson. And I think that man is always sure that God is here. Like that never, he never doubts that. He's always sure that God is here. I don't think the eyes of his heart ever waver or close. He's always ready to encourage me and remind me that God has great plans in store for us. That God is taking care of us. God will provide. And when we had a, uh, uh, actually it was a location for church. Fall through the day before, or the, it was like 36 hours before church. And he's like, hey, you know what? God's going to provide. God, you know, this, this one fell through. It's because God has something greater in store. And honestly, I think this setup's probably going to be better for us. You know, why? Well, because Mark was an Elisha for me in that moment. Tried to speak truth to me to help me have my eyes opened. That surely the Lord is in this place. 1 John 4, 4 says, The one who is with you, sorry, the one who is in you, is greater than the one who is in this world. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in this world. God is here. He surrounds us, but he doesn't only surround us. He is also within us. He's also within us. Through the Son and in the Holy Spirit, God literally goes and walks with us everywhere. 
You can't go somewhere where God doesn't see, where God isn't with you. And that is the truth we are fighting to have our eyes open to. The truth that is possible because Jesus has won the battle and conquered death and sent a comforter, an advocate, and a guide for us in the Holy Spirit to give us power. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, Lord. And so I have two practices this week for us to try to put this into practice. The first one is prayer, and the second one is prophecy. Some of you guys are like, didn't prophets die? Yes, but there's still prophets today. I'll explain that in a second. Number one, prayer. My practice for us this week is to pray this prayer to yourself each day this week and use it to remind others too that surely God is in this place. Lord, open my eyes that I may see you. Surely God is in this place. Lord, open my eyes that I may see. Maybe write that down, but write that on the tablets of your hearts. You can take that with you every day. Surely God is in this place. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might see. That's prayer. Pray that each day this week and use that to remind others of the same thing. Number two is prophecy. And some of us are like, doesn't that mean you tell the future? Uh, Maybe it could. But biblical prophecy, first and foremost, is not telling the future, but it's delivering the word of God. Delivering the word of God. And so prophecy is literally just speaking God's truth to people, specifically people in power. But it might just be people who are in power over their own lives and are trusting in their own arm to save. And so prophecy is delivering the word of God. As Elisha told his friend, do not be afraid. God and his army of angels is with us. Lord, open his eyes to see. What was Elisha doing there? He was prophesying. He was prophesying for the sake of his friend. He wasn't telling the future. He was helping his friend recognize the truth of what is right in front of him. And so that's the kind of prophecy we need to have for one another. We need to be prophets to each other to deliver one another God's word, to remind one another of God's truth, and to encourage one another, do not be afraid the Lord is in this place. And this is an act of prophecy that every single one of you is capable of. I'm not asking anyone here to blind somebody. But prophesy to someone this week. Share God's word with them and share his promises with them. Please. And I promise you, it will mean the world. And so let us be a people who do not fear. Let us be convinced that those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Despite all the hardships we face. Let us pray and prophesy for one another. And let us say, surely the Lord is in this place. Let us say it together. Surely the Lord is in this place. Amen. To God be the glory.